All right, Shabbos, say good morning, good morning. Hopefully everyone had a beautiful, uplifting Shabbos. A great zuchos, Baruch Hashem, to be able to begin another week of the daf together. Begin by thanking all of our, all of our sponsors. Thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves. The daf for dedicating all the Shimon Drashos this month in memory of Mr. Milton Martyr. Mordechai David ben Rafala Kohen Zichon of the Bracha. To thank Shirley Elbaman family for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Drushos this month, the creation of the yard site of Jerry Elbaum, Yaakov Kapel ben Avram Menachem. Our Week of Learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating the Week of Learning, creation of the yard site of Paul's sister, Leah Bas Shmuel, Zichon of the Bracha, and Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, and the Schuss of Rafu Shalima for Shulamis Bas Susha. Our Dafiomi sponsors for today, Ed and Iris Miller, Le'ilo Nishma. Mordechai Ben Zevmeyer and Leo Liza Bas Michael. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nishamas will have an Aliyah, the families in Nechama, and all those who require a Refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. Well, so with that, let us begin. So today's daf is Samech Ches, 68. We are actually picking up on the top of Samechas for a change, for a change. So as I say, remember again, just to reorient ourselves a little bit, yesterday, we began the new parak, and in the new parak, in the new parak, we were talking about the concept, a very specific type of case, namely nara hamurasa. Ultimately, again, who's the nara hamurasa? So that is a girl nara between the ages of twelve years old, twelve years old, and six months. Ultimately, again, who is in the stage of erusin, initial stage of marriage. So our mission was focused on who has the ability to be mefer her neder, who has the ability to go ahead and annul her neder. So the Mishnah told us, who has the ability? It is a joint process between the father and the husband. Now, I will say a couple of interesting things came out from this. Number one, we've transitioned. How we transitioned? We've transitioned from Ataras Nedarim to Afaras Nedarim. Wherein lies the distinction, at least over here, between Hatara and Hafara? Hatara requires a Pesach, right? Hafara does not require any kind of Pesach. In other words, I will say in these cases over here, with the father or the husband, is going ahead, and, or I should say, the father and the husband are annulling the neder. There's no need for a Pesach. There's no need for Harat. In fact, Rabbi said the fundamental distinction is Hatara is a vower-driven process. In other words, if I, want, if I made a neder and I want Hataras Nedarim, it's on me. It's on me. I have to go to the Chacham. I have to figure out the Pesach. Hafara, conversely, is something that is being done, at least in this case, in this case, being done to the vower. The girl took the vow, took the vow, took the nether, and ultimately, again, now this is a project. This is a process which is being visited upon her. Whether she wants it or not is really it's, it's, it's not bothering It's irrelevant. So let's say she might say, "I'm happy with the nether. I love the nether. I've gone across them to this nether. The nether and I are close." But say again, it doesn't make a difference if the father and husband choose to go ahead and annul it. It's annulled. Good. So we'll say again. Quick review. We are looking for the source. For this concept, how do we know that Anara Murasa, her father and her brother, sorry, her father and her husband, have to be the ones who annul it? So, the, so yes, yesterday's daf, we had the opinion of Rabba. Rabba learned it out from the pasuk of Vimayo Siyel Ish Aleha. We went through an entire process. So, say that brings us now to Sanches Amdalav. To be Rabbi Shmuel Tana. So, say to be Rabbi Shmuel, they had a different approach. Right? They had a different approach. Ultimately, again. For how to learn out this concept. Remember, mostly what I want to point out over here is no one is disagreeing about the bottom line halacha, which is that for a na'ara ha'me'urasa, 
her father and her husband must jointly annul the marriage. Say, by the way, jointly how? What else? Jointly, simultaneously, right? So it's simultaneously jointly. In other words, even you can't say it can't be one after the other. It's got to be simultaneously jointly. Now, so nobody's arguing on that. The Beit Rabbi Shmuel is just coming along and advancing another potential source for this halacha. So the Beit Rabbi Shmuel Tara, Ben Ish Le Ishto, Ben Av Le Bito. So we'll say the Gemara because the Pasuk, the Pasuk in its entirety is Ela Hachukim, Ela Hachukim, Hasher Tziva Hashem Es Moshe. These are the laws that Hashem taught Moshe. Ben Ish Le Ishto between a man and his wife. Ben Av Le Bito between a father and his daughter. Benu Araha Beis Aviha when she is a Nara. In her father's home. So what says the very Shmuel says, Mikan, from this passage we learn, From here we learn that for Nara Murasa, her father and her brother jointly have the ability to annul her vow. Let's take a quick look at the Ran. So the Ran writes over here, saying, How do you see this from the Pasik? Now, just before we even get into the Ran, what's interesting is how the Pasik reads. These are the laws that Hashem taught Moshe, right? Remember, again, reg- regarding the Darim. So we'll say, if you pause, you see, if you're not learning this sugyo, you would kind of just read this Pasuk and say, okay, fine. But now that I'm learning the sugyo, what do I see over here? I see ben ishto, ben When is there a situation where a husband and a wife have a connection, but a father and his daughter still have a connection. Benu Areha, when she is a Nara, Hamni Urasa, because in that case, she's married, but what? She's also a Beisaviha. So we'll say, it's a beautiful Basak. It's actually a beautiful, in other words, the, what, once, we'll say, it's one of those things where, like I said, you would read, if you would have read this Pasuk three days ago, somebody would have asked you to say, what's the meaning of the Pasuk? You would have said, you would have said, I don't know, right? But again, right? But 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 Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, right? But Lamaisa, now, now that I see it in this context, I understand how the Dei Rabbi Shmuel, how Rabbi Shmuel is actually using it. So now look at the Ran. So the Ran says, tap Ran on the left hand side. The Dei Rabbi Shmuel Tanah ben Ishle Ishto ben Avlabito mikalan Aram Urasa Shavia Ubayla Mefirin Dural the Mashmalei the Benaraham Neurasa Iri. They both say the Pasuk must be talking about an Aram Urasa. Why? Here's what's interesting is, in all seriousness, before you would see this Gemara, you would assume the Gemara is talking about different things. Ben Ishle Ishto is one case. Ben Avlabito is a different case. And Ben Uara sounds like a third case. Tiberi Rishon is coming and saying, no, it's all one case. It's all one case. There's a case, Ben Ishle Ishto, Ben Avlabito. So there's a girl who is married to someone, but she's still tethered to her father. Right? Furthermore, Benu she's a Nara, and therefore she's still Babesavia. What's the case when you put it all together? So we'll say this is the case of Nara Meurasa, and the Pasik itself, pretty explicitly, we'll say, by the way, this Pasik, Rabbi Shalom's Pasik, is much more dark, the very Shalom's Pasik is much more, or excuse me, much more explicit than Rabbi's Pasik, teaching us ultimately again that for Nara Meurasa, her father and her, her father and her, <coughs> and her husband must jointly annul her marriage. I will say, by the way, I just want to point out something interesting. As I was looking at the daf yesterday, you know, in all of the new gemaras, in all of the new gemaras. So, um, so if you notice, you have like in the margin the Torah or Hashalim, 
right? So we'll say what that means is the Gemara quotes a part of a Pasuk, and in the margin, the entire Pasuk is quoted. So unless, like, you're old, like, unless you're using an older version, like, okay, like, unless you're using your chas and shas or something, right? Hey, so again, so, so the Maisa, it's, it's here, it's, it's in the margin. Also, you know, it struck me yesterday, this Gemara only makes sense, it's only, for, it's only, the way to understand the Gemara is not from the part of the Pasuk that's quoted, right? In other words, the way to understand the Gemara is from the rest of the Pasuk that's not quoted, which is really fascinating because it tells us that when we learn Gemara, so the Gemara presupposes that we know Tanakh. I'll, say, I'll never forget when I was when I was learning Yeshiva. So I was learning. I was in YU. I was learning um, with Rav Ruven Katz. Rav Ruven Katz was his father. Was his father was the? No, I'm sorry. Um, Rav Michal Katz. Excuse me. His father was Rav Ruven Katz, the Degel Ruven, who was a Talmud Mufak of Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer. So, so this is my Rebbe when I was. I learned Chulin with him. And I, I never, I never forget. It was uh, old European Jew. So, one time we were learning Gemara. The pasuk was Vikar Right, that was the pasuk. Right. So he turns and says, "Silver, where's the pasuk?" I said, "Abi, it's Anchulin Daf, whatever it was." He got so angry. He got <coughs> he, he quoted. He said, "How are you ever?" He didn't get angry, angry, but how are you ever going to be a Talmud Chacham? He quoted Rashi that said, "Makala miskashetes bechav dalit kishutin, avtamid chavam sarich liskashet bechav dalit sifrei tanach." Just like a kala used to wear twenty-four adornments, twenty-four adornments, right? So, so to a tamid chavam has to adorn himself with the twenty-four svarim of tanach. He's sober. You, you know that? I said, "Yeah, Rabbi, it's a Rashi." So yeah, what 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 is it? What pasuk is it on? I was gonna, I, I don't know, I don't know. That's in Tanakh, right? So anyway, hey, this is just like it's, it's so it's such a humbling experience, right? Here we are, we're going through Shas, we're going through Shas, and Baruch Hashem, many of you have already finished Shas. Some of you already finished Shas more than once, and it's so humbling sometimes that in my journey through Shas, I'm like, okay, had the Gemara quoted the rest of that pasuk, I would not, I don't know the end of it, I, I don't know the end of the pasuk by heart, which I, which I should. Learned the Chumash enough times. It should. So it's very humbling that, that no matter how much we learn and how much we think we've accomplished, sometimes it's actually interesting that, that some of the fundamentals also, which is why I'll just put in a plug. It's Kidai, by the way, to also do like, first of all, to make sure to do Shtai Mikra, to do the weekly parasha. And whether you're doing it again, Shtai Mikra, you could do with Unkelos, Shtai Mikra, you could do with Rashi, Shtai Mikra, you could even just do, you know, even if you do with the Art Scroll translation, because Art Scroll is not a translation. The art scroll translation is a commentary itself. So the idea of Shtayim Mikra Ve'echel Targum is reading each Pasuk twice. And with a, with a commentary, I will say, it's so important. It's so important because otherwise we're, we're missing fundamental building blocks. Just like after you finish Shtayim Mikra, it's Kedai to do Nachiomi. You don't have to do the program of Nachiomi, but to do one parak of Navi a day. One parak of Navi, and that you can even read in English. One parak of Navi a day, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. That's why I know, I know it's a lot between Daf Yomi, Mishnah Yomi, Nach Yomi, Shtami Mikra Ve'echad Targum, like Nesilas Yisharim, Smichas Chavar, Chasidos Chavura. But again, that's our goal. Our goal, Baruch Hashem here, is to give you a well-rounded spiritual diet. But the amazing part is it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. But it's not. It's not. It's so, it's so incredibly doable. But in any event, I would say it's just very humbling. You know, sometimes you, know, you think like, okay, we're moving, we're doing Masechus Nidorim, Daf Samech 
Okay, then there's like a pasik, and I, I, I realize that I just have to brush up on the fundamentals. Any event. So I'll say, since it's time to let's go back there. So this is why I never finish even like the shortest of Dab and Mantan. All right, but let, let, let's go back there. It says the Gimar, but, it, but it's, a, it's a good Maisa. It was a, it was a Maisa, I'll tell you, with, with, with my Rabbi that, that, that sticks to me to this very. And, and again, I'll say, I want to be clear, just want to clarify this story. It wasn't an embarrassing, like getting angry. It was like, you know, it was a teachable moment. It was a teachable moment for a Rebbe to impress upon a Talmud that if you ever want to really see success in life, you start with the fundamentals, become proficient in the fundamentals, and build up from there. Otherwise, what you're building is on shaky ground. It's a very, and it was very, very true, very true. And anyway, so the goes right there. Ultan Ishmael, Ishmael, So we'll say, okay, fine. So now we have, so now we have a new drasha. So the Shaila is, what does Tandri Rabbi Shmuel, what does he do with the drasha of Rabbah? Right, the passage that we had on Samach Zainam Dalif. Of the Mayosi Ish What does he do with that pasuk? To which the Gemara says, Mokim Li'idach the Rabbah. And I will say, he uses it for a different drasha of Rabbah. Now the truth is, I will say, we're going to see, it's actually very interesting. The reason why today's daf is very short, I will say, as you're going to say on the days, is because virtually all of today's daf are citations from Gemaras and Mishnayis that we're going to see later on. So for example, I will say, so we're going to see Tanya Rabbi Shmuel uses this, that Pasuk for a different teaching of Rabbah. Now what's the different teaching of Rabbah? Take a look at the Ran again. So the Ran writes, So so we're not going into this case, but I'll just give you the coming attractions. The coming attractions are that actually, yeah, coming attractions are like this. We're going to talk about a case of a woman who becomes a, a Nara, who becomes betrothed, like Nara Murasa. And then what happens? So Nara Murasa, father and husband have joint ability to be made for the nether. Let's say husband dies. Husband dies during Eresin. And now again, she once again becomes an Arusa. So what are the father's rights in that case, or what are they not? So that's going to be a machlokus between Rabbah and the Rabbanon. Ultimately, again, the Ran says, V'Rabbanon sviru Ikakradin So we're going to see there's a machlokus. Does the father have rights the second time she becomes an Arusa or not? So that's the Machlokis, Rabbanon, and Rabbah. And ultimately, again, Tanadvei Rebbe Shmuel would use the Pasuk of the Hayos Yaliish to ultimately back up the position of Rava in that case. Okay. The Rava, Haide Tanadvei Rebbe Shmuel, my Avid Lein. So we'll say now we're ask the reverse question. So what does Rava do with the Pasuk that Tanadvei Rebbe Shmuel use? Right, Rava says, so the Rebbe Shmuel used the Pasuk between Ishta Ishto, Bin Av Lebito. What does Rava who uses the Pasuk of Vim Ish to teach this halacha, what does he use the very Shmuel's Pasuk for? To which the Gemara says, So this is actually very interesting. This we're going to get into. All again, I want to point out all of these sugyas we're going to spend significant time on. They're all fascinating. I will say in the context of a marriage itself, we know that a husband has the ability to annul his wife's vows. The shayla we're going to get into is what type of vows does he have the ability to annul? So Rava learns out from the Pasuk of the Bey Rabbi Shmuel, Bein Ishli Ishto, Bein Avla Bito. What does that teach me? 
that what type of nidarim does a husband have the ability to annul? Nidarim that impact him and her. Take a look at the Ran for just a moment. This is the Ran in the second of the intermediate lines. We're going to see like this. There are two types of nidarim that a husband could be made for for his wife. Number one are what we call nidre inui nefesh. I will say, what's inui nefesh? Nidarim of an afflictive nature. Of an afflictive nature. So we'll say, what does that mean? She takes an adder not to eat meat, not to drink wine, not to whatever, you know, anything that's afflictive. He has the ability to go ahead and annul that. And I will say, that actually is going to be explicit in the Pasuk as we're going to see. The other type of nidarim that he has the ability to go ahead and annul are nidarim which impact their relationship. That we call, that's what we call tvarim beino lebeina. Now what's included in that category, in Meretz Hashem, we're going to see in a later on circuit. So we'll say, but the point over here is, Rava uses the Pasuk of Debei Rabbi Ishmael to teach this halacha that a husband has the ability to annul nidarim that are beino lebeina. Okay, fine. So we'll say, get ready for this. This is great. So we'll say, here's the Shiloh. Here's the Shiloh. Make his guys omaklish kalish. So I said, listen to this Shiloh. I should read it there. By the way, bow. Make us guys omaklish color. So we'll say, here's what we know. So here's what we've established. What have we established? Everyone agrees that in Narahamurasa, who has the ability to annul her vows? Husband and father. Husband and father jointly simultaneously. Everyone agrees with that. Duli Machlokias is what? Is what? The source, right? So Rava brings his Pasuk. The Bey Rabbi Shmuel bring their Pasuk. We've also now spent time explaining what each one does with the Pasuk of the other. Fine. Rabbi Shmuel, I think I'm such a Yisodistic question. Pal, so Rabbi say, let's say now one of the parties annuls his portion. So let's, say, let's, let's play this out. Let's play this out. Nara Murasa made a nether. And now let's say, Bal, the husband annuls the nether. When one of the parties annuls his chilek, does that have an impact, or what is the impact of that partial annulment on a nether? What does it both say? Is it megas guys? Now, let's just translate the word literally. Megas guys means to cut off, to cut off. Does it cut off, lop off part of the nether, or miklash kalash, or weaken it? Now, we'll say, take a look at the ran. This is great. This is great. Listen to this. We'll say, so now we're going in the first wide line of the ran. Here we go. So when an aras, when a husband, right? The aras is the husband. When he goes in, now remember, when he annuls the nether, generally, he can't annul without the partnership of the father. But let's say, let's say the husband does it. Let's say, the husband, let's say the husband, right? The Nara Murasa makes a nether. She makes a nether. And husband says, I make for your nether. So we know, is that an effective hafara? Is it effective hafara? No. Why? He needs the father. The shayla is, has he done something? Has he done something? So do we say, Kishimei Frechelko, Megas Gais Kilomar, Shechotech Chatsi Haneder Legamre, so we'll say, do we say that maybe when the husband annuls, annuls the nether, what has he done? He's essentially locked off 
50% of the nether. The other 50% remains fully intact, but he's locked off 50% of the nether. We'll see what that means in just a moment. So he's locked off 50% of the nether, but the other one remains intact. Right? Oh, Kalash. Are the other possibilities? No. He doesn't, he doesn't lop off 50% of the nether. Rather, what does he do? He weakens the nether in its entirety. Oh, Nema. Right? Oh, oh, Miklash Kalash. Delo Nema Chata Chatsia Nether. So we'll say, this is the Shaila. This is the Shaila, right? Such a Hakira, right? Does a, so now the husband is... Now, okay, I want to be clear. The great part about this sugya is no one is arguing on the core facts. What are the core facts? That when a Nara HaMurasa makes a nether, there is only one way to be made for that nether. And that's how? That's how... The joint simultaneous hafara of the husband and the, and the husband and the father. Everyone's agreeing with that. We're just trying not to delve into mechanics. So here's a hakira. So now, husband is made for his chilek. What's happened to the nether? Do we view that as if he's laughed off 50% of the nether? So the other half that remains is still in full force, but there's 50% missing? Or no, he doesn't lop off anything, but his hafara has the ability to weaken or downgrade the severity of the nether. So I'll say, watch this. Where does this come up? This is great. Let's say the Nara Murasa, she makes a nether, get ready for this. I'm not going to eat these two olives. So she said, right, there are two olives. She says, I hereby take a nether, I'm not going to eat these two olives. Okay. The Aras hears it. The Aras hears it. The Heferla, and ultimately, what does he do? He does, right? He annuls his portion. Now what happens? He annuls it, and what does she do? She eats the olives. How many olives does she eat? Two olives. Now watch this. So I'll say, if at the end of the day, you say that when the Aras, when the Aras, when, when he does his Afara, so what he does is he lops off 50% of the nether. So I'll say, at most, his safari could cover what? Could cover what? One olive. One olive. But what did she eat? Two. Two olives. So therefore, she's in violation of her nether, and therefore she'll get malchus for nether violation. On the other hand, if you say on the other hand, no, no, no. When the arus is made for his part, what does he do? He downgrades the severity of the nether. In other words, even though you need both parties to annul the nether, annulment by one of them ultimately downgrades the severity of the nether. That's when he's miklash kalish, and he's sura ba'almahu. And maybe even when she eats the olives, right, she's violated a nether, but a downgraded nether. And therefore, again, it's usr, it's an isr, but perhaps she would not get malchus, she would not get lashes for violation of her nether. So, what's he here, the shayla? It's a fascinating shayla. So, we, so by the way, what's also interesting is, what's also interesting is, that the Gemara is presupposing that partial revocation has any effect at all, right? Because remember, again, up until I saw this, if you would have asked me, if you would have asked me, what happens when the Arus is made for the Nedr by himself, I would have answered, as you would have answered? Nothing. Nothing. So what's interesting, already, the Gemara says, no, presupposes there must be some effect. There must be some effect, ultimately, again, of the Arus is, or the father, it doesn't matter who's doing it, of the Arus. So the Shail is, what's the effect? Mega's guy is, 
Does a lap off 50%? In other words, I'm, I'm the husband. I can lap off my chilek, right? I can lap off 50%. Oh, no, no, no. You can't remove 50%. What you can do is downgrade the severity of the nether so that if she does transgress, it doesn't have the same severity. So we'll say, so my. So that's what I'm saying. So what's the shot? And I was saying, this is going to take us to the rest of the daf. I just want to point this out very interesting. I will say, I think that there is a, I think that there's also like a yisodistic concept in marriage over here about like what is the role of a husband, right? Ibaylahu, right? Sigmar says, Baal, what is a husband's job, right? What is his responsibility towards his wife? Megas gaius, megas gaius. And I will say, what does megas gaius mean? Is it a husband's responsibility ultimately again to distance his wife from anything that's detrimental and difficult? In other words, is it a husband's responsibility to be a complete protector? A complete protector? Or Miklash Kalish? Can't be a complete protector, but what can you do? You could help to lighten her load. You could help to lighten her load. A Yisildistic Shaila in the role and responsibility of a husband. Nega's guy is a protector? Or Miklash Kalish? Or lighten the load? And I will say, what's the answer? Now be careful. Be very careful. Right? I, I was like, so the truth is, it, it's right. The answer, of course, is really both, and it depends so much on the different stages of marriage. Sometimes, sometimes, it is the absolute responsibility of a husband to cocoon his wife and to protect her, to be the protector. That sometimes is absolutely his role. But we also, as we go through life, no matter how much you love someone, you can't necessarily protect them from everything. So if you can't protect someone you love from something, what can you do? Stand by their side and shoulder the burden along with them as well. Miklash Kalish. So we'll say it turns out that it's not really a Shailen marriage, but really ultimately it highlights the two dynamics in marriage. There is a time where my responsibility of a husband is Megos guys. I am going to be the protector. And I will make sure that I, I cut off anything that is going to harm my wife. I will step in, I will be assertive, and I will protect. But in those moments where, unfortunately, I can't protect and prevent those difficulties from affecting my spouse, Miklash Kalish, I will absolutely stand by her side, shoulder the burden with her, so as to make it a little bit lighter. Incredible, incredible. So I will say, Mike, Mike. So now by Nadarim, what's the shadow? So we'll say, here we go. So we'll say, so this is going to give you coming attractions. Here's, here's what we're about to do now. I will say, we are going to go through a whole bunch of cases that are all a Mishnah and Dathayim. So we're going to learn all of these cases in greater depth in just a little bit. So today, we're going to do them a little bit superficially, just in order to go ahead and kind of get, and again, the, 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 all these cases are being brought down to answer our question. Essentially, what is the effect of partial revocation. What you're going to say, both sides, all of these cases are being brought down only to get us to the last case. Because it's the last case that has something to do with our question. The other ones really do not. So watch, here we go. So Tashma, Amasai Amru, when did we say So when do we say that if the husband dies, that the the rights of revocation yield back to the father? So we'll say, so these are all Narahama Urasa cases. So we'll say, so what we're asking over here is like this. You have an Ara Murasa. Now we'll say, husband dies. Husband dies. So is there a situation in which once husband dies, full revocatory powers? Good word, no? No? And it's only Sunday. 
only Sunday. Already making up new words on Sunday, right? It's going to be a good week, right? When do we say that if the husband dies, full revocatory... No, I don't think that's made up. I think that's legitimate. Right? Full revocatory powers ultimately go back to the husband, to the father, excuse me. So I will say, when is that? So, when do we say that if the husband dies, full revocatory powers go back to the father? Listen to this. In a situation where the husband never heard about the nether before he died. Oh, Sheshama Vishasak. Or he heard about it and he was quiet. Oh, Sheshama Behefer. Or ultimately, again, he heard about it and he was made for it. Umes Bo Bayom. And he died that day. So just understand what's happening over here in this case. Essentially, when do we say, when do we say that if the husband dies, full revocatory powers go back to the father? when the husband did not do anything to share, to undermine the revocation of this vow. So watch what's happening over. So when did the husband die? Either one of three possibilities. Either he died ultimately again, he, he died, he never knew about the nether, right? Or he heard about the nether, but he was quiet. He heard about the nether and he revoked it on that day. Because let's remember again, a husband's ability to go and revoke his wife's nether is only when? Biyom Shum O, on the day that he heard it. So either he heard about it and he was quiet on that day, he heard about it and he annulled it on that day. So essentially what's happening over in this case is the husband didn't do anything to undermine the revocation of the nether. That's a case where if the husband dies, full revocatory powers go back to the father. Go back to the father. So I will say, so take a look, by the way, take a look um, at the last rush on the page. Sorry, at the last tosis on the page. Uh, you, actually, we're going to look at, look at the rush and tosis. Let's start with the rush on the right-hand side of the page, right? All the way, last line, last line, right? The rush and the tosis. So rush first, right-hand side. So we'll say, so the Lushan, by the way, of Nisrokna is like an emptying. The Rush is an emptying. The husband empties his rights into the sack of the father. Now look at Tosis. Last two lines. So we'll say, so again. When does full revocatory powers go back to the father? Again, as long as the husband didn't do anything to affirm the nether. See, the husband didn't know about it, or he died on the day that it was made and didn't say anything, or on the day that he died, he heard it and he revoked it. So in all those cases, as long as the husband didn't do anything to affirm the nether, then full revocatory powers go back to the father. Okay, on the base. On the base. Good. Next case. Aval. Here we go. Here we go. Aval. Im shama habal say, if the husband heard about the nether and he affirmed the nether. Oh, sheshama v'shasak. Or he heard about it and he was quiet. Umeis biyom shala acharav. say, now remember again, in this case, what happened? The husband heard about the nether. What did he do? What did he do? Nothing. When did he die? When did he die? The next day. Now say, what happens if a husband hears about his wife's nether? and doesn't say anything for a day, it's automatic affirmation. It's automatic affirmation. So I will say, so these are cases where the husband heard about the nether and either actively affirmed it or passively affirmed it. In that case, when the husband dies, 
ultimately, again, revocatory power does not go back to the father, and in the the father does not have the ability to revoke the vow. Good, we'll say, next case. Shama Abiya Behefer law. So I'll say, here we go. So I'll say, these are all Nara Murasa cases. All Nara Murasa. So what happens? Nara Murasa made an eder. Shama Abiha. Her father heard it, the Hefer law. And ultimately, again, he, he annulled it. He annulled it. Velo Hispik Baal Lishmoa. Now, the husband never heard about it until Adshem Sa'av, until the father passed away. So I'll say, so again, so timeline. Right now, Murasa made an eder. Father heard about it. Ultimately, again, he annulled, he annulled it, he annulled it. Father dies, and then afterwards, again, the husband hears about the nether. Zoe Sheshaninu, Mesa'av, lo nisrokna rishus labal. Wow, so it was very interesting. This is a case where ultimately, again, we say that in this case, revocatory power does not go to the husband. Revocatory power does not go to the husband in this case. Now, I will say, Take a, look at the, take a look at the Ran for just a moment. It's the last wide line in the Ran. Shama Abiyah Behefer Law. Follow his pick about the Shmoa Ad Shamei Sa'av. Zoe Shishaninu Mei Sa'av Lo Nisrog Lo So again, was reverse the first case. So in this case over here, Nadra Murasa made the Nadar. Father heard it. Father annulled it. Father died. Husband hears about it only after the death of the father. Husband does not have revocatory power. The Ran says, Chazinu Lohu Dekamai. Fine, actually, the truth is we don't have to really get into this run. Fine. Um, actually, take a look at the rush, I will say. Take a look at the rush. The rush says, if you look, it's the top rush, the top rush, is, uh, whatever, about two, four, six, eight lines into the rush. So the Gemara says, Tema. So listen to this. So I will say, so why doesn't the husband have the ability to annul his portion? So I'm reading the rush, left-hand side. Since the father annulled his portion, why can't the husband annul his portion? So say, the Rush is asking, I don't understand. If the father annulled his portion, then why doesn't the husband still retain revocatory power to annul his portion? We'll say, here we go. Wow. And I will say, because what's happening over here is as follows. And I will say, like I said, we're, we're gonna, this, this is, this is Dafayim. We're going to see this Gemara later on. This is not, this is not where this Sugya belongs. It's only brought here to answer our question. I just wanted to show you this. So I will say, what the, what the Rush is suggesting is, when father dies, essentially, the whole Hafara process is bottle. The whole Hafara process is bottle, and it's as if the father's Hafara never occurred. And therefore, again, so good. That's that's the Rush's idea. We'll see all of this on Dafayim. But I will say, what I just want to point out for you from this is something very interesting, which is you see that as much as we've been talking about the father and the husband kind of as partners in the revocation of the Nidharm of the Nara Murasa, they're not really full partners. Right? They have very different roles, which is why you see that when the husband dies, full revocatory power goes back to the father. But yet, ultimately, again, when the father dies, full revocatory power does not go to the husband. 
which is really quite interesting. Again, we'll discuss that distinction. Next case, I'll say. Shama, Shama Baila, the Hefela. We'll say again, same case, Nara Murasa, husband died, husband died, and all, sorry, husband heard that she made an Eder, and what? He, he was made for it, he annulled it. Below his bigger of the Shmach and Mesalal. And I will say again, here's the case. Nara Murasa made the vow, husband heard it, husband annulled it, husband died. After husband dies, what happened? Father heard about it. Right? This is what we learned. This is what we learned. That when the husband dies, ultimately what? Full revocatory power goes back to the father. Goes back to the father. Fine. So what's the next case? So again, right? Husband hears about it. Annuls it. And we'll say, now the father, the father never heard about it ultimately again, or didn't get a chance to hear about it before he died. So we'll say, so again, timeline. Husband annulled it. Father died. But when did father die? Before ever having had the opportunity to hear about the neder. Husband cannot go ahead and annul. Why? So we'll say, there it is. There it is. So we'll say, so that, that, that's pretty much like the principle. In other words, and again, we'll say, we're going to have to understand why this is true, right? Right now we're outlining facts. And what we're outlining essentially, I will say is, father could go ahead and inherit, or father could go ahead and regain full revocatory power, right? Upon the death of the husband. Husband cannot go ahead and gain full revocatory power upon the death of the father. Why? It's that last line. Because the only way a husband, I will say, remember again, there's a very specific case. Which husband is this? Which husband? Erison. Right? Erison husband can only revoke vows and shutfus with the father. Good. Now, we'll say, here we go. Tab of Samachtes. Tab of Samachtes. Let's finish off the sugya. It's good, we'll say, because the truth is, there's a cheshman of everything, right? Because we'll say, Tuesday, is it Srebateves? So I think we're starting what time? 5.45, I guess. Okay, good. Anyway, let's go back there. Shamaviyah. So we'll say, here we go. Shamaviyah. Her father heard the nether. So again, next case. Right, Nara Morasa made the nether, she made the nether. Shama via the law, and ultimately again annulled the nether. Okay, so we'll say now. Timeline. Nara Murasa made the nether, she made the nether. Then what happened? Father heard it, father annulled it. Right? Ultimately again, husband didn't get a chance. Husband never even heard about the nether before he died. Husband died, right? Never heard about it. So what's ta'lacha? Husband has, sorry, father has the ability to go ahead and annul the portion of the husband. Annul the portion of the husband. So what's the interesting wording over here? And by the way, I just want to point out, these cases are not redundant, right? Each of these cases has a nuanced difference, which we're going to see, but you see, I'm, I'm kind of making a little bit of a dash to the finish line of this, because I want to get to the resolution of the question we asked. So we'll say, so again, but we'll get into all of this. So in this case, just to be clear, so what happened? Nara Murasa made a nether. Father heard it. What did father do? Annulled it. Husband died without ever even having known about the nether. So now what does the Gemara say? Ultimately, father has the ability, mefer chelko shalbao. Interesting wording. Father has the ability to revoke the portion of the now deceased husband. Okay, here it is. Amr, Amr Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nassim says, Hein, hein, direi 
One second. This ability for the father to go ahead and revoke the portion of the now deceased husband, that's the opinion of Beishamai. That's the opinion of We'll say, take a quick look at the Ran. The Ran is on the left-hand side, about four lines into the short lines. So this is Beishamai, who says that the father has the ability to go ahead and annul the portion of the now deceased husband. However, Beisila on the other hand says, no, that the father does not have the ability to go ahead and annul the portion of the now deceased husband. I will say, take a look at the next round for just a moment. The ka- so we'll say, good. So now, what's the reason for this? So we'll say, So here we go. Here we go. Now, father heard it. Father heard it. Right, next step. Father annulled his portion. Next step. Husband died without ever hearing about the nether. Beishamai says, father could come and be mevatal the portion of the husband. Beishilo says, no, he can't. Get ready, Father will say. What's the machlokas? Here we go. Shmamina. Lebe Shamai Megas Gaius. I will say, according to Be Shamai, I will say, according to Be Shamai, when you have partial revocation, what does partial revocation do? It lops off 50% of the nether. Lops off 50% of the nether. Lebe Silo Miklash Kaish. According to Be Silo, he holds that no, partial revocation, what does it do? It diminishes, it weakens the nether. So I will say, watch, let me say this outside, then we'll see inside. This is so incredible. So watch this. Get ready. Get ready. Here it is. So according to Shammai, let's play this out. Very exciting, very exciting. So listen to this. Now Ramurosa makes the nether. Okay, here we go. Now Ramurosa makes the nether. Right, what happens? Father hears about it, is mevatalit, or meferit. Meferit, okay? Husband died without ever hearing about the nether. According to Shammai, I will say, what happens when father annulled his portion? What happened? What happened? Megas guys. He lopped off 50% of the nether, which means that there is still 50% of the nether outstanding. Outstanding. Then I will say, according to Beishamai, now according to Beishamai, 50% of the nether outstanding is a significant right. Because it's a significant right, it's an inheritable right. And because it's an inheritable right, the father is the one who inherits it from the husband and could therefore go ahead and annul the rest of the nether. Beautiful. According to Beis Hillel, on the other hand, Partial revocation of both sides does what? Partial revocation, miklash kalish, diminishes the iser. So the father does his part, the husband still has his part. So both sides, the husband's right is a what we'll call a negligible right. It's not significant. So because it's not significant when the husband dies, therefore what? It's not inheritable. So because it's not inheritable, therefore the father doesn't have the ability to act on it. Absolutely fascinating. So I will say, so what the Gemara is just saying, and the reason you say, why, why, why isn't this significant? Because I will say, if you think about it, really, like 50% is a quantifiable, manageable thing, right? In other words, I understand according to Beishamai, Megos Gaius, father is 50%, husband has 50%. Husband died, that 50% is significant. So therefore, the second that's inheritable by the father, therefore, according to Beishamai, when the husband dies, the father has, inherits the husband's power of revocation. Miklash Kalash, what does it mean? What does it mean? You diminish this, or what, what, what does it mean to diminish an iser? It's more usser, it's less usser, it's much more ambiguous. 
So because it's much more ambiguous, therefore what? It's not defined, obviously. If it's ambiguous, it's not defined. And because of that, again, it's not significant enough to be deemed an inheritable right. And therefore, when the husband passes away, the father ultimately, again, does not inherit that right. They will say, now, what I just told you is inside the Ran. Here we go. So we'll say, it's in the Ran. The, the, the bold line is, So we'll say, two lines into that. Ultimately, again, when you go ahead and you know the nether, I should say, when this partial vacation, Megas Gaius, when the father annulled the nether, he annulled his 50%. The 50% of the husband was totally unimpacted. Rather, 50% of the nether, that's their husband's portion, is fully intact. That's significant. And therefore, what? That is deemed an inheritable right. Miklash Kalash. According to Basila, on the other hand, ultimately what happens when, a, when, it, when there's partial revocation? It diminishes the Isra. Miklash Kalash. Keshefra av chelko, nigra chelko, nigra chelko, shabal. Ve'eno chashiv lo risho la'av. When the father diminishes his portion, sorry, when the father diminishes his portion, there's still a diminished Isra left to the husband, for the husband. And ultimately, again, it's not chashiv enough. It's not important enough to be deemed an inheritable right. Shabbos says it's pretty incredible. So the Gemara wants to suggest, Shabbos says, so therefore again, now we've come full circle, we've come full circle. Shabbos says, so what is the halacha? When there is partial revocation, when there is partial revocation, so at the end of the day, what does partial revocation do? Is it Miklash Kalish? I should say, is it Megas Gaius? Does partial revocation lop off 50% of the nether? Or Miklash Kalish? Does it simply downgrade the Isra of the nether? And what's the answer? What's the answer? Machlokas. Beishamai holds Megas Gaius, right? Beishila holds ultimately again Miklash Kalish, to which the Gemara says, Shema Minar. And I will say, we're not going to do the halacha lamais on this. Because yet, because we're not, we're not finished with the sugya. There's still more to the sugya, but I, say, I just want to point out. Now, the one glaring question, I will say, what's the one glaring question with this? One glaring question is, how does this stem with what we said before? Right? Which is what? Which is what? Which is that, halacha we said that in order for a husband and a father to revoke the nether of the nether, what do you need? What do you need? Joint simultaneity. So how does that stem? In other words, I will say, so I don't understand even how the question gets off the ground. Right, what, do mean, what do you mean inheritable rights? The only way it works is if they do it jointly and simultaneously. So again, but that's what I'm not doing. That's what I'm not, I know. I know how badly you want the Rambam. I see it. I see it on your face. I see it on your face. But I'm sorry. Sometimes, sometimes you have to discipline with love. Right? I'm sorry. I'm teaching you a little bit of restraint. You have to hold back. Right, so, let's say, so ultimately, again, we're, we're going we're gonna to hold back on Rambam a little bit. But again, what I just want to point out is the Mikla, Megas, so let's say, here's, here's the conclusion. So now the Gemara asks, what's the halakha, miklash kalish, or megis guys in his partial education? The answer is, it's a machlokis Hashem Yisrael. Remember again, the machlokis only applies to the halakha. The hashkafa of bal megas guys, miklash kalish, being a type of spouse who's able to protect, but also again, partner and shoulder and world, that's not subject to dispute, I will say. That everybody agrees ultimately is necessary for a successful marriage. I will say, stop over here for today. Mesilas Yisharim. Mesilas Yisharim.